Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. To the latest Mountain West Connection podcast. Jeremy Moss here. As always, you can check us out mwcconnection.com. Um, give us five stars. Give us a review. We'd love it. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Blog Talk Radio, of course, where we're at as well. We're now starting something during the offseason here. Hopefully, it's consistent with as many teams as possible. And my first guest here we had on, uh, we talked quite a bit for a while, longer than expected, but we're attempting to preview every non-conference opponent as many as possible within the Mountain West schedule. So we, I did this one a couple weeks ago about Wisconsin with Jake Kokorowski from Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com here on SB Nation. They play Utah State, so we're going to discuss um, last week in 15 minutes or so. Um, but Jake knows this stuff. He goes on and talks for well, not, not that he just talks, but he just gives great information. Ended up being about a 45-minute conversation talking about Wisconsin, what to expect. Um, we reminisce about that 2012 game where had Utah State had a few extra yards, um, made a field goal, could have gone to the Orange Bowl because that was the year Northern Illinois had one loss and went to the Orange Bowl versus Florida State. So we, we kind of reminisce about that. We learn all about the quarterback situation. Now they have um, Alex Thornenbrook as the guy. Uh, we talk about a Hawaii transfer who could, could be starting for the Warriors or starting for the Bucky, Buckeyes and the uh, or Badgers. Not, what am I doing? Buckeyes? No, Bucky's fifth quarter. Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, close enough. You can see how that mix-up could come about. So we discuss uh, what they have coming back, and we're gonna again we're gonna attempt to do all these off-season podcasts. Like I said, hopefully with the daily hike news and notes, and possibly about every morning, maybe three times a week. 
because we'll have our football show as well with Matt Kennelly. We're going to start our previews pretty soon on the Mountain West. I'll have a couple more basketball podcasts as well with Eli Betker, who's been crushing it on the transfer news this offseason. And we'll just uh, kind of get to all that sort of fun stuff and maybe have some fun, of course, because we do have nonsense. But our first interview, again, at tonight, it's all one team, Wisconsin. Uh, Jake Krokorowski from Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. Check him out and uh, enjoy the interview, folks. Now. All right, and now as we um, – well, this is the first one. We'll start with that. This is a bold goal we're trying to do. We're going to try to talk to somebody who just covers every non-conference team from the Mountain West. We're starting with Utah State on this particular road. Whenever you're listening to this, maybe it's um, July, who knows, but it's mid-April. Tax day, I guess, so whatever, tax day, that's whatever. I don't know why I'm talking about taxes, but today's tax day. We're talking <laughs> – <laughs> I'm just rambling for some reason. It came to my mind, oh, tax day. But, no, we're talking Wisconsin – and B- or, no, well, they do play BYU, but Utah State. That's my other job. I got to know about you guys, too, for that as well down the road. But we got Jake Kukorowski from Bucky's Fifth Quarter to talk. Uh, a quick, uh, what are we going to call this, uh, spring update, I guess? Yeah, that, I like that. I like that. Yeah, no, we, we appreciate you jumping on board Bucky's Fifth Quarter and giving us a Q&A, too, because, you know, people are excited. I mean, you know, let's, let's, let's face it, besides spring football and there's pro day, football's a, you know, it's 24-7, 365. There's something going on, either college or pro. And we really appreciate you jumping on board and, and doing the Q&A with us uh, last month, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully people learned a bit about Utah State when I um – Blindly threw some nuts at a few things and got some stuff right, but <laughs> we got the whole league, so we got the basics down. So people, hopefully, they got a little bit about who the Aggies are because they struggled last year. But what when you think Utah State, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I mean, you think about Gary Anderson, obviously from Wisconsin perspective, because he, uh, you know, you and I talked about it right before we recorded the show about. Uh, 2012 and the third game of the year, Wisconsin was one and one after that terrible loss to Oregon State. Jared Aberderis was injured, and Gary Anderson and then defensive coordinator Dave Aranda had a great scheme to stymie Wisconsin. Danny O'Brien was replaced at halftime at quarterback by one Joel Stavi, which who could be honestly the most polarizing figure in modern Wisconsin football history, uh, being a walk-on, and then uh, just the the back and forth, and then Wisconsin eking out the win there. So, yeah, I think that's the first thing I think of with Utah State is Gary Anderson uh, and Dave Aranda, those two. And and if it's one thing that Wisconsin fans, I think, really, you know, one good thing about the Gary Anderson era, besides the winning ways, they had 19 wins in his two years there uh, at Wisconsin, was the fact they brought Dave Aranda on board and transformed a 4-3 defense into an attacking 3-4 scheme that is still being implemented and now it's in its third uh, implementation by Jimmy Leonard who's the new defensive coordinator yeah what I remember about that game because it was Utah State was a really good team and I remember too like at some point we're not going to dive deep into a game five years ago (laughs) (laughs) but what I do remember watching that game like Wisconsin we'll get to this later but Wisconsin's offensive line just 350 minimum seems like those guys in Utah State was doing a good job. Their defense has always been great, except with Anderson there. Pushing back against Monte Ball and any running game they had. But what made me so mad in that game, Utah State was in striking distance. They're getting close. They get a stupid 15-yard penalty. They try a long pass for some reason instead of trying to maybe center the field to get a good field goal. End up being a 37-yarder, which for college kickers, that's questionable in any weather, indoor, outdoor. (laughs) He missed it. I'm like... Yeah, you could have had like a, almost a chip shot, chip shot to get to win. And what I tell people all the time when we chatted about this game, 
because that was the year Northern Illinois went to the Orange Bowl versus Florida State. Oh, Had yeah. Utah, and they had the first time ever a one-loss team got to the BCS for the uh, whatever the you want gr- to call it. Group of five? The, yeah, current group of five. And not that Utah State would have beat Florida State, but had they won against Wisconsin, they could have had – it could have changed a lot of things. Gary Anderson still could have left to Wisconsin just because you go to the BCS game, you get a pick up anyways. But I just remember that game. It was a two-point loss. Defense did pr- – pretty well against that Wisconsin line, but then that last drive, Chucky Keaton, the fame to Chucky Keaton, like, oh, come on. So that's kind of remember about that game. Had they beaten Wisconsin? Orange Bowl for the Aggies, but. No, it's, you know, and that was also with that offensive line. They, Wisconsin had let, let Mike Marcus and that offensive line coach go. They were, it was a different type. You know, Paul Christ, who's now the head coach, left from being an offensive coordinator at UW to Pitt. Uh, and he took Joe Rudolph with them, and, and and you know the Wisconsin, you know the Wisconsin type of offense, a pro style look that Chris employs, and in came you know my, Brett Bielma replaced you know with someone that everyone thought, oh this guy has tons of experience, and Marcus, and he was old Mrs. old line coach, yeah I think he had coached Michael Orr, uh, and, and so like everyone's like, oh yeah this is gonna be great, and it really like you know you you let your offensive line coach go in two weeks into the season isn't a good sign and so it's a i mean they were used to a guy like bob bostad who actually went to pit with chris then left pit like within a matter of a couple months to go take over a job with the tampa bay buccaneers uh, as their offensive line coach and i mean that line was i mean it got better underneath bart miller uh but yeah i mean that was that that offensive line was in shambles uh, in terms of just trying to find its identity at post Chris. I mean, they got together obviously by the end of the year. You saw what they did against Nebraska uh, with Matt Canada and whatnot as its offensive coordinator. But yeah, it's crazy, man. It's it's crazy. Like five years later, where where both programs have gone. Exactly, Utah State sort of. They're not the one twenty out of one twenty they were for as an independent leaving the Big West, but they're. They're much better, at least a respectable team at the moment. But let's get to current day football. Nobody wants to get half decade on the game. Yeah, we could. There's a lot of stuff we could go into, but let's start a big picture really quick. So, what's the main focus? Because their spring is about to wrap up this week at the end of it, last third week of April. What's kind of the big overview of what Wisconsin wanted to work on this spring? Yeah, I mean, and this is with you know I, a lot of people with uh, you know with with cover Wisconsin know about you know Paul Christ uses this time and a lot of coaches do too but Christ especially just this isn't a time for position battles necessarily this is a time for learning where this these teams uh, these players there's a lot of you'll see some position shifts most notably like at free safety right now where a corner a nickel cornerback in Atrell Jamerson who was the starting nickel back their third cornerback uh, before he was injured last year moves up in you know as a as a safety he'll be the free safety patrol in the back uh you know the third level of the defense uh, alongside Dakota Dixon who's the strong safety so I mean they'll, they'll have those position switches they you know they had some uh, that was the one of the bigger ones and 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 whatnot. So, but it's also a time for like quarterbacks. You know, they named Alex Hornerbrook the starter. There wasn't a, really a doubt in my mind on that uh, heading into it. The fact that his backups are a redshirt freshman and a true freshman who enrolled early uh, in uh, Kari Lyles and Jack Cohen. Uh, so this is a time for like the quarterbacks to test their limits. And he said it even last year when there was a competition between Hornerbrook and now Bart Houston, who's looking to try to get into the NFL. He, you know, where look, test your limits, see where you, what you can't do right now, 
you know, fall camp's the time where that momentum will grow and they have to start making those plays. This is the time where they can see what they can, they can work on their timing. They can work on just whatever areas of improvement of growth that they can make. They can, you know, that they think they can, they need to work on. And it's it, in Wisconsin, really it's you return, you're, you're losing some key players that are going to be drafted. You know, you could have two first round draft picks this year uh, with Ryan Ramchick, the left tackle. It's been, you know, talking about SB nation, Dan Kadar from mocking the draft said, you know, in this one, I think this morning said that he predicts him to go to the Broncos at number 20 JJ or uh, did you watch brother TJ is an outside linebacker. All Amer- both were all American. He got nods, consensus, first uh, first team All Big Ten selections, and TJ, you know, led the team in sacks and uh, tackles for loss. And you know, they they have to replace hit both those guys at the reports you know replace 1800 yards and 20 some odd rushing touchdowns from last year and Corey clement and dare Ogumboale, the latter one of my favorite stories because he's a former walk-on and i wrote a book about the wisconsin's walk-on tradition so i got to know him really well uh, vince beagle outside linebacker uh soldier shelton started a school record 51 games out of 54 in his career and so i mean you have these key pieces that are that they're going to replace including houston who came on as quarterback uh it started year fell off really a roller coaster then like started getting more reps uh towards the second half of the year and really performed well uh, and ended his career as a winner uh and so you have these like pieces that are kind of like oh man they, they, they lost these guys but this team's coming back with a lot of starters uh some of them were injured this you know spring didn't take a lot of reps but they bring back a lot of talent they bring back uh the ability you know rep- the offensive line that's been really kind of was broken down in 2015. Last year saw good signs, but still needed to progress. And this year, it should really be intriguing to see where they grow. Uh, having four of the five offensive linemen returning that were starters, uh, even a fifth one in Micah Kapoy that's kind of a jack of all trades with the guards guard side that could play both left and right guard. And you also have, I mean, outside linebacker I think is a big one where. Even though they're trying to test limits, you've seen guys uh, like Garrett Dooley who stepped up big last year as the uh, Vince Beagle and T.J. Watt spelling them both at the boundary and the field side outside linebacker from what it looked like, uh, but also uh, trying to find uh, you know a starter opposite him, whether it's a redshirt sophomore like Zach Bond, a guy like Andrew Van Ginkle who's a, a JUCO transfer out of Iowa Western Community College who played at South Dakota his freshman year and it was. First team all conference for South Dakota, uh, and then decided to try to make his way and try to find a Division One A offer, an FBS offer. So you know, and they're also looking at even uh, Leon Jacobs, who's been kind of a jack of all trades of starting off at outside linebacker his freshman year, moving inside linebacker, starting a game there, getting injured, lost on the depth chart, goes to play fullback last year. Only injuries come back. He jumps back to inside linebacker, and now it's the circle of life of football. He's back at outside linebacker. So, you know, it's it's you know, there's, there's there are certain areas where you know trying to replace Ramchick at left tackle, uh, try, replacing Watt and Beagle and all that production outside linebacker is probably the biggest question they have uh, when it comes to that. Uh, and then you know trying to with the secondary uh, replacing Soldier and Shelton and, and Leo Musso who contributed nine interceptions altogether. But honestly, like. The secondary, I think they'll rebuild. It's 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 an intriguing. Like, this team, despite the losses that they have, and, and there could be a handful of draft picks uh, for this year for Wisconsin Badgers that we'll see next week. But honestly, uh, I think this team's going to reload. But it's not really a rebuilding year. 
That's what it seems like. You answered probably questions four, five, and six here, but oh, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's, I no, it's great stuff. No, I do that too sometimes when I'm chatting on our show. I'm like, I'll just spend however many minutes going on. But let's uh, we'll kind of break down what you mentioned a little bit. Like, let's go back to quarterback. Last year they played two guys, Hornibrook and um, the other guy. I forget his name. I should have looked it up, but uh, oh, Bart Houston. Quarter- yeah, that's right. I, that's right. I remember watching. He went. Played pretty well in that Cotton Bowl, eleven of twelve versus Western Michigan, I believe. But so, how does it make? It's a big deal when you have continuity because you said there's no position battles in spring. Really, you're kind of it's more teaching. You're getting learned to the position, then they'll sort all that stuff out. Watching the film again, they're going through fall camp. So how what how big of a deal does it make it for Wisconsin offense that you have not only I believe three of your top four receivers back, and you have the one guy at quarterback. Because I, I watched a little bit of Wisconsin last year. Not that they yanked back and forth, but when you're splitting time, it does make a. It's not. It's not always the best situation to go from quarterback to quarterback. So how is it for this team? You got just the one guy knowing it's him, no matter what. You know, a couple of years back they had Joel Stave. He was named starter as well. And despite they had Houston on board, but Houston was, uh, you know, with, with Houston, you, you feel bad for him. This is a kid that was highly touted out of uh, De La Salle High School in. California and really highly touted had surgery his first year he was recruited by Chris you know and Chris if Chris is there all four years is you know let's say he leaves you know pit after one year after Bielma bolts for Fayetteville uh, who knows what you could say about Houston what he's gonna you know what he does in his career underneath the tutelage of Chris for three some odd seasons but he gets lost under Gary Anderson and Gary tried to run. He tried to change Wisconsin's offense to be more of a spread look and have a mobile quarterback. That didn't necessarily fit Bart's mo. He actually became a rugby punter, but rugby style punter for one one year for in 2014. Uh, but so back to Stavi. I mean, you know, he was named the starter right off the bat in two, for the 2015 season in the spring. This year, two years later, you know, Hornerbrook just the guys behind him. Uh, the platoon worked for for most of the season, you know, I mean, for, for the Badgers, you'd think it wouldn't, but Paul Christ is a quarterback whisperer when it comes to that, where he's able to get the most out of his quarterbacks and he's got a great quality control assistant underneath the name of John Budmeyer, a former quarterback himself uh, in the late 2000s, early 2010s, uh, who had a, his injuries or his career was cut short due to injury, uh, but it was in Chris's offense. And, and But, you know, Hornerbrook, I think it's only going to help him. He knows he's a starter. It's a confidence builder. He's been working with George Whitfield Jr., the quarterback guru himself that uh, was working within – uh, you know, working within the, uh, you know, Johnny Manziel, Jameis Winston, everybody. Andrew Luck, everybody, yeah, everybody, anyone uh, on that note. So, like, he, you know, Hornerbrook knows. I mean, and one of the biggest drawbacks with Hornerbrook was the fact that he could not, uh, you know, his passes compared to Houston. Houston's got an NFL arm. I think he'll find somewhere in a camp, at least mini camps. Uh, who knows, maybe up in Canada. Uh, but, you know, he's got the, the NFL caliber arm. It's a pro arm. It just it just took a while. And, and the th- having three or, three quarterbacks or three offenses, in, you know, systems in, in you know four or five years is a lot for him for a quarterback to uh, undertake. But, he you know, Hornerbrook, uh, you know, his arm strength wasn't necessarily there. It kind of seems like that lofted a bit. You've seen that change now where, you know, the first day, a spring practice. I'm out there, and another media guy nudges me, and he goes, "Hey, what do you think about Alex's arm? Like, you, you think Hornerbrook's arm is looking, you know, solid?" And I said, 
you know, let me take a couple more throws and you're watching it and there's a little bit more zip on it. There's a little more strength on it. And so, you know, it's not, you know, it's part of its footwork. You know, I had to ask Alex about it too. I'm like, where, well, you know, you talk about arm strength, like where does it come from? Is it the base? Is it, you know, obviously improving your arm strength and, you know, whatever you have to do for lifting or calisthenics with the arm, but, you know, just footwork and pocket presence too. And he said, yeah, you know, it's you know, trying to get a better base and, whatnot i mean it was a really great answer there's you know there's obviously a science to it and he's been working on it and so this year i think alex really you know it's one of those things from from 2009 to 2010 scott tolzine who is a backup for the indianapolis colts for andrew luck uh he basically you know 2009 was named the starter had a great year uh wasn't great with the interceptions but in 2010 he completed if i'm not mistaken like 70 over 70 percent of his passes had cut down his interception ratio drastically, uh, you know, his interceptions drastically, was named the Giant United's Golden Arm Award winner, and now he's you know, found a home in the NFL. I think Hornerbrook, and he's only a redshirt sophomore, I think he could take that next step where he cuts down turnovers. He's going to have that ability. He's more confident. This could be a huge year for him. And like I said, he's still got two more years after 2017 uh, and he could make his name, you know, and uh, as a, just uh, one of the better quarterbacks in Wisconsin history. And this is, you know, he was a late signee too. He enrolled early in 2015. And there's another highly touted court quarterback in the class by the name of Austin Kefensis. He was recruited underneath Gary Anderson, but you, you could see from the first day of spring when you see in those quarterbacks throwing that Alex had the better shot uh, underneath Crisp, you know, and just with the style of quarterback. And honestly, it's uh, you're seeing this come through, you know, to fruition now. And gosh, man, like I, I, I'm, I'm high on Hornerbrook in terms of that when it comes to that. I think he's got a real shot to be something special for Wisconsin and lead this team heading into next year. So let me ask you this: Like with the running, game, like you said, they have to replace a Corey Clement. But I've seen places you and others say, "Oh, they should be fine with all the returning linemen back." Does he need to have that downfield throwing, despite having that much? Because there's so much talent around him. What is that? Seven offensive starters back from last year, approximately, with the linemen, receivers, and he's half a starter, I guess, <laughs> for for <Yeah>. Alex. There, <laughs> does he need that downfield threat? Because not like Wisconsin typically. Maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong. It's obviously running the ball quite a bit. There's not a ton of 25-plus, 30-plus yard passes, not even 20 yard down the field. Do they need him to do that, really? I think so. You saw it last year. That's how he got playing time is that Bart had the cannon of an arm, but Alex has this his ability, and you've seen it through, throughout spring practice too, where he can put perfect touch and, and like the placement on the ball uh, and the, on his passes – and throwing deep accurate passes to that third level of the defense, he's made those throws. And it's been continuing to see it. You saw it like a little bit last year, not too much, where, like, for instance, in the Iowa game, he, Quintez Cephas, who's a true freshman, who should be the number, you know, the, the starting wide receiver complementing Jazz Peavy, he made a 57-yard catch, and it was perfectly thrown that you could get underneath, you know, Cephas caught it, you know, running underneath it, and then almost scored off of it. Uh, and, and so... He's known for that, and and with this offense, and it's still the offensive line. Like they, with Ramchick, they have David Edwards out there now at left tackle, and and it should be interesting to see. Obviously, with a southpaw as, as Hornerbrook is, he's not a right-handed quarterback; he's left-handed, and so it's not as you know the right tackle is more of the blind side. But you're also you know, with 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 that, you know, the running game still churning, and, and Ramchick was a great run blocker, so despite having to, you know, like the running game being the staple, it's still 
progressing. And even Paul Chris said today during his morning press conference that they're still they're getting better where they want to be. They're they're doing everything the right you know in terms of the weight room and preparing uh, in the weight you know in the not just weight room but the film room at practice he's on all three levels there they're doing everything they can they still have work to do so the passing game still needs to be on point and they don't just have jazz pv who led the receivers in receptions and also but it led the team in receiving yards you also have a guy like uh, troy fumagalli down the seam who's the tight end and he had a great season last year where he started off hot against lsu seven receptions 100 yards but then also capped off his year with a huge game against western michigan in that cotton bowl you mentioned earlier where he you know uh, i forgot how many passes he caught but he caught a touchdown at the end of the game uh, that essentially sealed the sealed the win uh, in the early in the fourth quarter but uh led the team in receptions this is guys again another former walk-on that's really showing up huge and this is a, a kid that i think will be all conference this year and he could car it's another line of great tight ends underneath paul chris offense like you've seen with lance kendricks owen daniels garrett graham uh, among others travis beckham who uh, granted he didn't make it that well in the nfl but uh these guys you know this guy could i mean he i think not just in the red zone but down the field catching like they're going to be able to exploit defenses with PV. They're going to be able to exploit the offenses with Troy Fumagalli. But even uh, in the short-term game, in the passing game, Chris James, uh, a pit transfer, played for Chris back in 2014. Uh, and uh, this guy has been called in media reports, and I've seen him live for most of the practices. People have called him electric, has run with a sense of brutality, is what someone else coined it. Uh, and then also, I mean, I call him a game changer where out of the backfield, he, he people call him a third down back. I think he could be an every down back uh, possibly. Uh, and But he, when you get out of the backfield, if it's on a wheel route, don't even bother trying to catch him. The, the guy's fast. And uh, this, you know, there, there are some weapons here. I mean, this is the team could be solid. And, you know, this passing game, they'll need it. They absolutely will need it to uh, open up the defense a little bit because you can you can't have nine guys in the box and, and expect to you know un, expect to have success all the time. They need to keep defenses honest, and I think Hornerbrook will this year. Excellent. Let's let's kind of go to a quick defense side really quick. Uh, there's one player who's kind of familiar to us. He was at Hawaii. I remember he transferred. You have a what Nick Nelson, the DB there, yep. and he replaced a guy who had I think what 51 starts, 50 starts. How is he looking? Because his two years at Hawaii, he was one of their better defenders during the very, very dark years of Norm Chow as the head coach. Yeah, I, you know, Nick Nelson and uh, just hearing from some people, I mean, they're high on him. Uh, they, I mean, it's one of those things where last year, obviously, he had to sit because because of the transfer rules, like like Chris James, uh, who I think would have played last year for Wisconsin. Uh, because of his speed uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But Nelson has the ability, you know, good cover corner. I haven't seen too many mistakes on his end, you know. And obviously you'll have some passes caught on you here and there. But really this, you know, from what I've seen in the spring, he's been really solid. I, I, I know the I think the coaching staff's really high on him. You know, instantly, you know, an article on UWBadgers.com said he's the expected starter. Uh, that's even with a guy like Lubrin Figaro who had the uh, – jump in and he's played safety and cornerback in his career and he you know played a lot of games because a lot of college teams go to that spread look or an 11 personnel or you know just a spread look where you need five defensive backs and I thought Figaro might get a better look but Nelson is really a special 
uh, talent, I think. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what he does in that backfield. And, then, yeah, he's replacing Sojourn Shelton, who uh, is now, I mean, was one of the smaller defensive backs, but at 5'9", and, uh, and about a buck, he's about a buck 80 right now. I talked to him a couple of weeks, or it was a few weeks ago for Bucky's fifth quarter. But he's, uh, you know, it's a big, big step for him to try to really – uh, step up in, in Shelton's shadow, but honestly, talking to to Shelton, he thinks this this defensive backfield is going to take a, a step forward this year. And that's underneath the tutelage of Jim Leonard, who's now the defensive coordinator after one year of being a college coach. And uh, but if people don't know Jim Leonard's backstory, he's a former walk on at Wisconsin, became a three time All American, then moved on, went undrafted, then had a ten year NFL career was the strong safety was the basically the quarterback of uh you know Rex Ryan's defenses for the Ravens in 08 and the Jets from 2010 to I think to 2012 and then you know uh basically any type of Rex Ryan Mike Pettin defense he led and he was highly sought after for that and you know Jimmy has that ability to last year taking over the secondary they had, if I'm not mistaken, 16 of the team's 21 interceptions. And there's there's a confidence, there's a swagger to these kids now that, you know, you didn't necessarily see underneath previous defensive backs coaches. And that's nothing against, you know, recent defensive backs coaches. But uh, Jim, you know, is teaching that experience that he has in the NFL. And now you know, he's going to take it here in at Wisconsin to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, this secondary was flying high last year and with – Hearing from Sojourn Shelton, uh, you know, saying like he thinks the secondary is going to take off, and he said that even on social media. Uh, and Nelson's going to be a big part of that, and I think we'll see what comes of it. But I, I don't think they're going to drop off a bit. All right, let's do like a couple more things here, really quick. Uh, I was reading something about a month or so ago. You got all the off-season content or nonsense you want to see that goes out there. Um, is, I, you probably read this, the Insider piece by Casey Joyner a while back, about a month ago. Um, how is he says Wisconsin is a sleeper to be in the playoff? How is a team that went to the Cotton Bowl, winning double digit victories last year, a sleeper for the playoff? And they were in the Big Ten title game last year. You would think, I, I get there's four teams, but really a sleeper? Come on. I, I, I think with I think it's the schedule. I mean, you take a look at their schedule. It's not what it was last year. People were saying if they were seven and six. They, you know, fans would be happy. They're like, oh, you got, you know, look on paper, LSU. Oh, they're what, number five or number six or number seven in the nation, depending on which poll you looked at. You had Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, all, you know, it was a murderer's row those first few, you know, few weeks with Michigan State, Michigan on the road, then a bye week, then Ohio State going to Iowa, then Nebraska. First five were just terrible. And then they had to go to Northwestern, which has been just an, an abyss of losing. Like, it's just a black hole of charisma and whatever you want to call it. And, and just uh, you know, Northwestern's been terrible to play at for Wisconsin in, in recent history. And they exercised those demons. Uh, and then they had to go to, you know, playing against, the, you know, it, it, long story short, they um, – they overachieved last year compared to what fans' expectations were. Even though you could see the signs of this team being solid in spring and in fall camp, and it, this year, I mean, you look at their non-conference. I mean, they have Utah State, they have Florida Atlantic, which should be interesting with Lane Kiffin there. BYU, I think, will be obviously be a challenge going out in you know to Provo, Utah, and and having an away game there. I mean, their hardest, I think, maybe you know, I feel like they have to win out to really be considered right now. Uh, I, like until I see, I mean, obviously this is on paper, right? Mm-hmm. But of course. 
Yeah, but you know, Nebraska is underneath. Yeah. They have Bob. You know, they have Bob Diaco as defensive coordinator now in the three-four. So that's interesting to see. And, and that's one thing in Nebraska. They they have the you know their what do they call them the black shirts, and mm-hmm. this, the defense hasn't been that great. And you can see that in the 2012 uh, Big Ten Championship game, but that's a different story underneath Bo Pelini, uh, but, uh, when they hung 70 up on him. But this is a, you know, I think that's going to be a tough game. Uh, you look at I th- this year, I somehow feel like Illinois is going to be a little pesky with Lovey Smith. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win, obviously, but uh, I think Wisconsin will win. But, uh, the, you know, I'm interested in seeing how Lovey Smith can, kind of can, turns around the fight in Illini. But, uh, you know, Iowa's always tough just because it's a rivalry game. But Michigan, I mean, the last two games of the year are really going to decide it where yeah, obviously Michigan's replacing how many starters that are now probably going to play in the NFL uh, starting in 2017. So they have a lot to really try to make up for there. But Michigan's going to be a tough game. And then you have Minnesota with underneath PJ Fleck. There, I mean, they're replacing their quarterback, their wide receiver Drew Bolartarski was their entire passing game last year. Um, but PJ Fleck is a great motivator. Uh, you're already starting to see some things when on the recruiting trail, uh, even with Wisconsin Target that loved the Wisconsin visit, visit last week goes up to Minnesota, instantly commits. You're like, what? where'd that come from? Yeah. Uh, and so, so there's some things going on in Minnesota and, and even Nebraska, like I said, down the road with Nebraska. Um, so I think that's why. Maybe the schedule's just not as t- – I mean, if they had the same schedule as last year and then they're like, oh, yeah, against these guys, then you're starting to say, okay, you know, if they can win, then maybe they're not a sleeper anymore. But I just – you know, I think the schedule is kind of a, a thing there. Uh, but really they have so much talent coming back, and I think they're hitting it right – where I think Cornerbrook's gonna have a special year. I think this defense, even with like you know Jack Sitchie and uh, Chris Orr, who are two inside linebackers that were injured last year, season-ending injuries, uh, they're coming back with you know inside linebacker could be the most uh, the the deepest group that you'll see you know on this team. Um, I gosh, I, I think on all three levels, including special teams, I think their punting situation is not being taken care of, and their place kicker Rafael Gaglianoni is 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 now back and kicking field goals after being out for most of last year too. Uh, this team has the ability to to go far, and not yeah, just a big schedule, team. Like not the schedule, like they miss Ohio State, they get Michigan at home, no Penn State. Like to be honest, it's conceivable at BYU might be their toughest road game throughout the right. whole year. And they had the one ish, the only like maybe the sleeper thing because the schedule, not it's an obviously great schedule, Big Ten, but not overly tough because home games are favorable. You miss a couple of the big teams of the division. Their buys early. The only concern I really have is their buys in week four. Basically, that's it. That's the only issue I'd have. They play their complete conference slate starting with Northwestern the rest of the way. That's the only downside I see to their schedule because you get Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota the last three weeks, but. I don't know, I just thought sleeper's kind of an odd term after looking through who they have back, who they're playing, but I, they'll be I, they'll be in the mix for sure. So one last question. Since it's um, we're making this middle of April, like I said early on in my rambling about tax day, what's your stupid prediction for this game right now when we still have like, four <laughs> months left? <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I think Wisconsin will I, – I, I'm really high on, on – I mentioned Chris James and I mentioned 
uh, another guy I didn't get a chance to mention, but he contributed last year, Bradrick Shaw. It could be, I mean, UWBadgers.com, an article there called him Thunder and Lightning. I think the running game is going to be phenomenal this year. Uh, when you add in like a, a, a an edge type run, like you have with the jazz sweep with uh, jazz P, or they call it the jazz sweep here. It's a jet sweep. It's a flanker sweep, uh, fly sweep, uh, and they run it really well with a guy with named Jazz PV. Uh, they, I think this, I think it'll be a tough game for Utah State. I'll probably say like a like a forty two to 10, 42, 13 Badgers. I I just I I, I think. You know, I, it's nothing against Utah State. I just, I really feel this Wisconsin team um, it, it, without injuries. Now, here's the key. Here's the key thing with this too. Let me tell you about this, Jeremy. Where if Alex Hornerbrook's injured, it's sort of like how Russell Wilson was with the Badgers in 2011. If he's injured by any stretch, that team in 2011 is not where it is. Uh, and I think with Hornerbrook, and obviously I'm not trying to put him on the same pedestal as Russell Wilson. I'm just saying the the people behind them because Russell Wilson that year. John Budmeyer, who's now that quality control coach for offense, he was injured, so he's the only other guy with game experience. They would have had to go to like a, if I'm not mistaken, it was a redshirt freshman that you know named Joel Brennan that did not have any experience, and he, I mean he transferred out of the program at, after 2012. So like you know if if they they don't have have like a. a I think Kari Lyles and Jack Cohn could, will develop into great quarterbacks for Wisconsin, and they'll they'll compete uh, maybe next year or the year down the line against Hornerbrook. But you know Hornerbrook's the guy, and if, if your quarterback goes down, it's going to be inter- It'll be <laughs> it's worst case scenario. I mean that offense that that changes everything. So I mean I think they win forty two thirteen. This team, uh, you know, depending upon what happens going forward, this is a team that could maybe lose. You know, I, they could go, in my opinion, undefeated. But like I said, they have to go to BYU. They have to go to Nebraska, uh, and they have to face you know Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota that end out the year. It's probably three of their arguably hardest opponents uh, outside of Nebraska. Uh, even though Northwestern will be good too. So I mean, it's you know or decent in the Big Ten West. It's not Ohio State or Michigan State or you know for that matter, or Penn State for that matter too. But, um, you know, this team could be special, and I think they start out off on the right foot on a Friday night. Yeah, I think, like, right now, if you look at some early stuff like the S&P, it's 22-point margin of victory. I'm like, that sounds conservative, I think, a little bit. Because Utah State, they do have a new OC in David Yost, who was at Missouri Forever and Oregon. It's a new offense. They do have some decent returning receivers. Like, they have a um, – shoot – is Rayshon Lewis, uh, oh gosh, Ray Lewis's kid is at Utah State, and he's done some pretty good things. They have one of the best names, Ron, Ron Quavian Tarver, wide receiver. It's like the guys from the uh, Key and Pill sketch for the North and South team. Like, really? That's, oh, that's the name you have. But that's the only way I could see them doing something decent because they do have some pretty good receiver talent, and uh, Kent Myers is a senior QB. But this isn't the defense of old with Gary Anderson there. Defense has just been a mess the past year or two, and so – I don't think it's going to be close, but their only chance to score some points is if those receivers, they have enough of them where they, they could break something off. But that's about it. But my my goal right now, at least for Utah State fans, if it's within three touchdowns, give yourself a pat in the back. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's true. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough environment. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, Wisconsin camp ran a lot. There was, there was a big stink, too, by the way, where, um, you know, the Big Ten's doing some Friday night yeah, games. Friday. And, and it's it's a it's a high usually it's reserved for high school games. It's only one game. Wisconsin said they'd only do it. I think it, if I'm not mistaken, they had said like the first you know 
the first game of the year. They're not doing anything like that for the rest of the season, so it shouldn't be a big deal for like the WIA here. But I mean, it, was, it caused a bit of a big thing because obviously they have to move the games to a Thursday night for the kids. Uh, it is like if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Labor Day weekend then. Yeah. So it is a you know it, so yeah it's it, they're going Friday night. It'll be on my probably Big Ten Network or oh maybe no maybe on ESPN. If I'm, we'll have to take a look on that. But or even uh, Fox does a place right this year. Yeah, yeah, maybe. T- yeah, I have to look into that. I forgot which where, where they're going to do that. It's, Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it'll be. You'll be able to find it. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll definitely be able to find it. But this team is really just, you know, it, it could be you know start of a good year. But yeah, like even that Friday night stuff is, you know, there was some debate about it. Um, and I know that you know anytime Big Ten can get more exposure, they're going to try for it. So. so, so you're not going to pull a Northwestern and just say we're not going to play. <laughs> yeah, no, right. No, basically, I mean, yeah, yeah Northwestern did it. Well, not just that. This, here's the weird thing, too, is that, like, uh, they, if they're going to make a rule like this, like, do it for everybody. But they had, like, if I'm not saying, yeah. like, Michigan State and Ohio State were just, nah, certain we're good. weekends or something, right? It wasn't, like, certain weekends or something that would be okay to do. I believe that was the case. Yeah. It was, I, it's like, come on. It's, I don't see Michigan on this. I don't think they're on a Friday night schedule, though. I don't think they're doing like, anything. Let's say this. Fox has paid this much. ESPN this much. You can, my opinion, because for us, I see Utah State, Boise State, Colorado State. Even I'm a University of Utah fan. They'll play Pac-12 games on Thursday nights. Like, if you're gonna pay Jim Harbaugh eight million bucks a year, you can sacrifice one game on Friday. Not even sacrifice. You could have a game on Friday where, to be honest, more people may watch your Friday night game compared to 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN two. It's pop. It's I think the trade off. It's not a big deal for one game a year. Yeah, I think if you do it early enough, especially for Wisconsin, like, it, it's tough. Like, I just don't know, like, on Friday nights, let's say, for recruits for those other schools that are doing the Friday night games, like, those are the same times you're trying to get your recruits, to, you know, the, for official visits. And, a Friday, you know, a Friday night lights game is always fun. Like, that's where Wisconsin last year, they had, again, Ohio State at night. They had... Nebraska at night. Those are two of the big recruiting nights for those. You know, Wisconsin spring game, though it brings in a lot of the commits, and Wisconsin already has, if I'm not mistaken, like eight eight verbal commitments right now. So they'll be at the spring game. It's not like Nebraska where they just had like you know three or four guys commit on the spot. You know, and, and you have a sellout crowd. Wisconsin, if they get above ten thousand fans at the you know at the spring game on Friday night, they'll be happy. You know, I mean that that'll be happy. It's just it's just not a big thing compared to the Ohio State, which quote unquote sold out, or Nebraska or other places where uh, and whatnot. So it's it, you know having a Friday night game like this early on will help probably because the WIA, if there's any in-state recruits that haven't committed, will be able to see it, and hopefully other you know other programs will be able to see it too. Otherwise, I'm sure they'll try to go to like I know the other big game for that is Michigan later on that year, which is on a Saturday. Uh, and we'll see what what time they'll announce that. So it's you know, like I said, it it'll be fun on a Friday night. But you know, keeping it to one game a year, I think, is fair. Yeah, I think it's fair. Just those special rules is kind of odd. So you've exceeded the time limit we we planned on before. <laughs> but but it's great. you brought the. I just like I got a question. I'll let you go because you're the expert. Because honestly, looking around for research, I go to like Madison.com. Like, oh, they got videos. But like, I'm at Bucky's fifth quarter. I'm like, you, you're practice pretty much every day. Your stuff to me seems much better, at least more thorough than what they're doing at the major newspaper in town. Unless I missed it, is there 
Besides Madison.com, is there something else I'm missing besides your site? No, no. And honestly, Madison.com, there's a great guy for the Wisconsin State Journal by the name of Jason Galloway. And he actually used to write for Bucky's Fifth Quarter, too. And that's how I met him. Uh, and he, he went to school in Alabama. Uh, and uh, I think he actually went to Alabama, if not mistaken. We gave him some crap in 2015 about it uh, when they uh, went to AT&T Stadium uh, for the game. But it's a uh, you know, Jason's a great guy. And he does some great stuff. I mean, his... They, I mean, he takes like some amazing stats during practice. Just, I mean, they don't always put it up on the paper too because it's spring practice, and like yeah. I mentioned, this isn't a fact that the this is you know they're testing their limits. They are not trying to you know if you're, you're yeah you're completing nine of. 20 passes but you're also throwing passes that you probably shouldn't be but you're testing it uh so but i mean you know you do take a look at you know he he's detailed with that those guys are great uh badgerblitz.com badgernation.com those guys Wisconsin wait, State quit name, wait wait quit naming other websites besides yours come on i'm kidding I know. Maybe I'm, a, I'm a nice guy i'm a guy no, that I brings know. donuts to the spring practice i'm like you guys hungry i brought donuts and like one friday night i did and now they expect me to bring donuts every night That's i'm the donut right. guy on the beat man yeah. no, i just look around for stuff i'm like okay i don't want to spend watching videos so i'm like your site great good stuff there i know there's others <laughs> i'm like i think like good but i'm like hey let's zero into your stuff but it's cover covered spring football great it's sometimes it's tough i do some covering for other stuff i do like I cover BYU. I'm like going to spring practice. I'm like, oh, we can watch 20 minutes. They're in Skelly or they're doing head sh- what, just skeleton um, or what's the word I'm looking for? Shells. Like, what are you going to see when they're wearing helmets? Can't tackle the quarterback. Or they let us watch punting drills. I'm like, oh, jeez, come on. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> but it's, it springs good. It's good to find stuff. But I'm just looking for coverage. I'm like, okay, nothing, nothing. Ah, here we go. So your stuff's great. It's over, oh, everybody, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter. If you like, um, if you're a Utah State fan listening, I know there's um, hopefully a good amount. Hopefully you enjoyed this because you did great, great content. When, like I said, I ask one question, you answer three, four, five, six, and seven. <laughs> but let's go, no, but thanks for hopping on today. We'll get this up probably this week. This probably will end up being a standalone because what are we at here? Forty minutes here? Yeah, most likely. Yeah, about four minutes. Yes. <laughs> perfect. Man. If you Wisconsin, Utah State, listen to this in your car drive going to work. Whether it's August, June, July, we'll keep um, sending this out there. But yeah, Jake, uh, thanks for checking or checking in with us. And again, your uh, Twitter, Jake Coco B5Q. That's um, K O C O B5Q. And there's the number five in Bucky's fifth quarter as well. So check out there for whatever Wisconsin football. And who knows, you may find something interesting on the site because you got your amazing book out there for the walk-ons. Because that's a pretty big deal for getting, like you said, Stalve and other guys have been good walk-ons to be. Not just earn a scholarship, but actually key players on this team throughout the years. Yeah, no, I appreciate the the plug on that. Yeah, Walk On This Way was released in October. It's uh, Wisconsin's Walk On tradition, you know, is it's been huge ever since Barry Alvarez took over the program. And a quick plug on that, like you know, Jim Leonard's a former Walk On who's a defensive coordinator. Uh, guys like you know, he played ten years in the NFL. Um, a guy like Mark Tosher in the NFL for the Packers for ten years. Uh, you look at recent ones, Joe Schobert, who's with the Browns. Uh, Alex Erickson was an undrafted free agent that led the NFL in kickoff return cover, uh, kickoff return yardage last year, Yeah, you know, for the Bengals, and, and worked his way up uh, from being unknown, jo- and, and guys like Joel Stavi, uh, and J.J. Watt. Let me, how can you forget about J.J. Oh, yeah, Watt? Yes, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and so like we, you know, we had a chance. To, we didn't get a chance to talk to him for the book, but we talked to his his parents. Uh, we talked to his athletic trainer. We talked to his high school coach. We talked to Brett Bielma and Charlie Partridge, who are his 
defensive coordinator and head coach at the time, respectively. Like we we talked to all you know all these guys and and you know in just. Chris Maragos was in the NFL, who's uh, become a, a good friend, and, and so you, you kind of just look at it and you see this history, and it's you know it's it's been not just the, you know, they call him the glue in the foundation, the guy you know the stick and, and hold up uh, when scholarship players kind of fall through or things don't work out on the recruiting trail. You guys have stepped up and, and just the work ethic they put in, and uh, it was fun to read, and, and hope you guys read it it's on Amazon.com or KCISports.com, uh, and uh, hope you guys read it. And just thanks again for having me on, Jeremy. I really appreciate it, bro. For sure, man. One last thing. If the Texans get a quarterback, J.J. Watts get in the Super Bowl ring. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm a Texans fan. That's like you pass on Derek Carr, you pass on this Ugh. guy. Even um, Zach Mettenberger would have been happy over who they've had the past couple of years. So, uh, I mean, aren't they talking about Patrick Mahomes too? Is yeah, that how you yeah, 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 from uh, Texas Tech. That's what I'm seeing. I'm like, well, we'll figure it out. Maybe um, being here Mountain West, Josh Allen will somehow get to them next year. Maybe that'll be the key. I don't know. but oh, from, from Wyoming, right? Yeah. We'll – there are some crazy people saying number one this year. If he came out, I'm like, eh, slow your roll, guys. Yeah. Whoa. He's pretty good, but we'll we'll see. He's more of a next year guy. But telling to get a Texans a QB, and I'd be happy because uh, <laughs> Osweiler oh, just punt him away. So, but uh, yes, w- one last time, Jake. Thanks for hopping on with us, and uh, yeah, go check out Bucky's fifth quarter, and uh, yeah, have a good one, man. Hey, thanks, man. You too, guys. Thanks for listening. Once again, I want to give a huge thank to Jake Kokorowski from Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. Ton of good info. And uh, one note I probably should have said before, this is just before their spring game, which they had. Um, now I think it's like two weeks ago. But again, thanks for him and for joining us to give us a preview of Wisconsin and Utah State. And hopefully our goal is to talk to whoever is with them, the non-conference league, a week four as Utah State plays. We're going to talk to the folks Alabama who play Colorado State and Fresno State. Got Oregon State on the docket this week as they also play the Rams. And we'll, we'll just talk to as many people as we can to get everybody informed for this offseason. That's uh, still, we're months and months and months away. It's the first week of May here, folks. But hopefully that was a great interview. I got a lot of good info there from Jake. But check us out again. We're now new to tune in. So if you use that app, you can download us there. We're on Stitcher. We're on uh, iTunes. Obviously, Blog Talk Radio. And again, to help us out a little bit, we have some sponsors. I'll we mix them up in the in the credits on the show notes. So if you want to get get a good deal on certain things, we have food stuff. We have ticket stuff up and down. We'll have um, a magazine stuff for a digital magazine. Uh, different types of options for a deal for you guys out there. So hey, help us out. That'd be great. Again, click on the links on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, you you can play the show and mute it if you'd want. That's fine too. I don't care. Just we love that you listen to this show. That's what we like and help us out a little bit. Maybe we have something you like as well in return. So that'd be great. Tell two friends. Tell tell a couple of friends about the show as well. Even if you think we're just okay, let them know as well. But that was our show tonight. Um, thanks again for Jake Krokorowski. Check them out at Bucky's Fifth Quarter dot com for everything Wisconsin. And thanks for listening, folks. And as always, yes, we're biased against your team. <laughs>